Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Fulham, Sunday, April 18th, 2021. Kickoff, 1:30 p.m. The contents: the manager, Mikel Arteta. The captain, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Voice of Arsenal. Match action. Sheffield United versus Arsenal. Player feature: Pablo Mari. Convertible currency: 14 times. Community: Match action: Arsenal versus Slavia Prague. Forward Arsenal. Academy. Visitors: Fulham. My story. Arsenal women, my Arsenal and teams. Manager's notes: Mikel Arteta. It was a great performance on Thursday in Prague by the whole team, and we completely deserved the win. I was really pleased with how we approached the game, how we played, and mostly to go through and go through in a really convincing way. In that round, the quarter-final of the Europa League. To win four nil isn't easy. Slavia Prague haven't lost at home in almost two years, and they are a tough opponent. But we had some really big individual performances, and then collectively we understood the game really well. And overall, we were very efficient, especially in the first half. I was not only pleased with those first half goals, but also the way the team reacted from Emil's disallowed goal. When it was disallowed, the team straight away reacted and wanted more. Again, we were brave. We were really efficient in a hard place, and we put them under a lot of pressure. And then, when we had to make a decision with the ball in the final third, we were really clinical. There have been some games this season where we have missed chances, not been clinical enough up front, and we have been really punished for that. But on Thursday, we absolutely saw the value in taking your chances and being ruthless in front of goal. In Europe, more than any other competition, games are decided in both boxes, and we were ruthless in both of them. We kept a clean sheet, and we scored four goals, and could have scored more. I was pleased as well that we didn't switch off after going three nil up so early in the game. We knew we could not afford to do that because Slavia is a team that would not allow you to do that. They are very similar to Leeds. And we know their spirit from when we played them at home, so we did some really good things. They keep alive, and they keep believing, and they're a team that fights until the end. We knew that, and we kept playing our game, stayed switched on, and didn't allow them back into the game at all. 
we are creating a cohesion and understanding between the players. Players have to make each other better. That's a big quality. Then you need someone at the back to make those players better and get the surroundings, the collective understanding, the way it should be. The same happened with the back line. We looked really solid there and I don't think we conceded a shot on target, so it is an important result, but there are still a lot of things that we have to do better in the game. There's a huge margin in a lot of things that we're doing at the moment, but it will come. Now, it's going to be very important to maintain that level, that commitment, that concentration that we showed against Slavia for the next round and the rest of the season. In the semi-final, we're going to face an opponent that has a big experience in European competition and a manager in Unai that has won it three times. He's the most successful manager in the history of the competition, so we will look at them and see how they do it. Then it's important to be ourselves, to play our game, how we want to approach the game. Thursday showed what we can do when we play like that, so we will go to Spain for the first leg, and we're going to be us. Before that, though, we have two important league games at home, because we don't want to stop the momentum now. First, it's Fulham at home, and we have basically had no time to prepare for this one. We don't want excuses, though. We are feeling good after our last two wins, and we have to be strong at home. Fulham are much improved but what we will demand from our team is to maintain our level, keep showing our spirit, our determination, and set high standards again today. I will have to see how the players have recovered from Thursday before I select the team. As I write this, I don't know whether Orba will be available again yet. I spoke to him on Thursday, he's out of hospital, and he told me he is feeling really good again. He had a couple of days in the hospital to get the right treatment, but he's been at home for the last few days, so we'll see how he's recovering. Finally, I was pleased to see our players taking the knee before the game on Thursday. It was a good gesture. The players came to me beforehand and asked about it. They wanted to take that initiative and they had the right reasons for it, so the club and I were very supportive. Thankfully, the referees and UEFA were supportive as well, so I think it was done in the right way. Keep cheering us on from home and hopefully we will have more moments to enjoy together soon. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang It's been a difficult couple of weeks for me, but the boy's stunning performance on Thursday certainly helped my recovery. You may have seen my Instagram post on Thursday. I contracted malaria in Gabon while on national team duty and I've had to spend a few days in hospital, but I'm really feeling much better. I haven't felt myself for the last couple of weeks and I'm just glad that it's now getting sorted and I have the great doctors to thank for that. I will come back stronger, and as I said, there's nothing like watching a fantastic performance from the lads to give me an extra boost. And we really were superb on Thursday night. That first 25 minutes was just devastating, and we were playing the football we know we're capable of. You shouldn't underestimate what a challenge it was to go to Prague and win, but we were ultra-professional and didn't give Slavia any kind of encouragement. And I loved how we shrugged off the disallowed goal and immediately put that out of our minds with not one, not two, but three goals. Looking at today's game, it feels like a long time ago that we played Fulham. But what you can say is that this is a different Fulham side now. 
they're definitely better than they were at the start of the season. The results lately will tell you that too. They beat Liverpool away, they got some other wins, so we know they are much stronger than when we faced them in September. In the last international break, I was speaking a lot to Mario Lemina about Fulham, because he plays with me in the national team. He said they have definitely improved. They are feeling a lot better on the pitch, off the pitch, and so we know we have got another tough game coming. To be honest though, when you look at where Fulham are in the table, that tells you how strong the Premier League is this season. I think every game is really tough, and the teams down the bottom can beat anybody. That is true most seasons, but I think especially this year, because it's been a crazy season for a lot of reasons. When you get to this time of the season too, no team gives you anything. Everyone is desperate for points. So it will be nice to hopefully see Lemina today, because there aren't many from the national team in the Premier League that I see each week. For sure, we will be seeing more in future from Gabon though. We have a great generation with Gabon at the moment. A lot of good talented players coming through. And I would love to see more in the Premier League, because I know they will do well. I'm sure some more Gabonese will come to the Premier League, and maybe to Arsenal too. Why not? We are doing well. We have qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations in Cameroon next year, and we will go there looking to win. We are all looking forward to the competition. But for now, and until the end of the season, all we are thinking about is our clubs. Looking back to when we played Fulham in September, I remember the sun was shining, and we got a good win. In fact, we played very well. Lacquer got us started with his goal, and I was pleased with my goal too. It was a nice one. And it was good because Gabriel got his first goal for us on his first game, with an assist from William, who was also playing his first game. So it was perfect for them. It was a really good start for William that day, and I've definitely seen him coming back to that level in training and in games too. He's somebody that works really hard every day, and in training he is doing very, very well. Sometimes remember that you have to give people time when they come to a new club, into a new team. Now he's playing very well again, getting more assists, and he's getting stronger every time he plays with us. He's great to be around at the club too. That Brazilian group is a very funny group, trust me. There's William, Gabby, David and Gabriel and they're always so positive, happy and joking. That's what I love around the dressing room. We all love them, and we get on well because David speaks French, and so does Gabrielle, so we seem to have a mixture of French and Portuguese when we chat. It's funny when they are together, trust me. We need that spirit and togetherness now until the end of the season. We still have a lot of big games coming up, and we're desperate to finish as high in the table as we can. Thanks for your support, and hopefully it won't be long until we can see some of you back with us at the stadium. And thanks also for all your kind messages. Like I said, I will be back stronger. Voice of Arsenal His Royal Highness Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh it was with deep regret that Arsenal Football Club learnt of the recent death of His Royal Highness Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh. Prince Philip had a long association with the club. 
His first visit to Highbury in an official capacity came in October 1952, just eight months after Queen Elizabeth II ascended the throne. Fittingly, that visit was to support a charity fixture between the Gunners and Hibernian, and he subsequently supported a number of other charitable initiatives at the club, including visiting the community department to learn about the double club in 2000. His Royal Highness was also present at a number of Wembley Cup finals in which Arsenal participated. First and foremost, however, he will always be remembered by Arsenal supporters for officially opening Emirates Stadium on October the 26th, 2006, when he showed a keen interest in our new home, speaking to players, management, supporters and many staff. His Royal Highness even discussed the matchday programme and its significance for the club and its supporters with the editor. It was an unforgettable day for all concerned. The club's thoughts are with Her Majesty the Queen and their extended family. Lacazette 50 Congratulations to Alexandre Lacazette, who has now reached 50 Premier League goals for the club. Our French striker netted twice against Sheffield United on Sunday to reach the landmark on what was his 124th game in the competition. He scored his first just 94 seconds into his Premier League debut against Leicester City at the Emirates on August the 11th, 2017. Of his 50 goals so far, 38 were scored with his right foot, 7 with his left and he's netted five headers. Five were scored outside the area, and five came from the penalty spot. He scored 31 goals at the Emirates, and 19 in away matches. He's the tenth player to bring up his 50 for us. Here is the full list. Top 10 Premier League goal scorers. 1. 175. Thierry Henry. 2. 104. Ian Wright. 3. 96. Robin Van Persie. 4. 87. Dennis Bergkamp. 5. 73. Olivier Giroud. 6. 65. Theo Walcott. 7. 63. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 8. 62. Robert Pires. 9. 60. Alexis Sanchez. 10. 50. Alexandre Lacazette. Tune in to two matches at once. As you tune in to this afternoon's game on Sky Sports, accompanied by the matchday programme, of course, you can also twin screen and tune in to Arsenal Women on Arsenal.com and the app. Joe Montemuro's team kick off their FA Cup fifth round match with Gillingham at 2pm today, 30 minutes after Mikel Arteta's team get going. The coverage of the women's game starts at 1.35pm, and there will also be pre- and post-match analysis on the breakdown, presented by Sportsbet.io. Anne-Marie Batson will join Nick Bright in the studio for expert opinion, while Arsenal and Scotland defender Jen Beattie
will be providing insight as part of the commentary team. Digital members can tune into the game for free. Highlights of the men's match against Fulham will still be on Arsenal Player as normal, dropping at 5.30pm with a bite-size edit, with an extended cut and the entire first and second halves to follow at midnight. It's Martin's month. Martin Odegaard's rocket against Olympiakos was our March goal of the month, presented by Sportsbet.io. The Norway international opened his account for the club in fine style, collecting the ball 25 yards out in Athens before unleashing an unstoppable drive into the roof of the net. Odegaard's strike finished with 38.4% of the votes cast, with Mohamed Elneny's goal in the same game finishing in second place. Vivian Medema's superb volley in our North London derby victory against Tottenham finished in third place. The double remembered. Thoughts at the club are most definitely turning to celebrating 50 years since our first double, when Bertie Mee's team claimed the league title on May the 3rd, 1971, at White Hart Lane, of course. Then the FA Cup, with a win against Liverpool at Wembley five days later. We have been contacted by the supporters who run www. Gunaholicsforever.com, a site dedicated to the memory of Gunaholic, aka Dave Faber, who are raising funds for the Willow Foundation with various events commemorating the double. These include exclusive interviews with Bob Wilson and Pat Rice, and they are also keen to hear from anyone who has memories of that very special week in the club's history. So please head to the website to find out what the group have in store. Their timetable of events is as follows. May the 3rd. Video conversation with Bob and Pat on the road to the title. May the 3rd to May the 26th. Auction of a replica shirt and two cup final programmes signed by some of the star players and a Bob Wilson autobiography signed by Arsene Wenger. May the 5th. Fan Recollections of WHL on May the 3rd, 1971. May the 8th. Video Conversation with Bob and Pat on the Cup Run. May the 10th. Fan Recollections of May the 8th, 1971 at Wembley. Ref Watch. Arsenal will be hoping it's fourth time lucky with Craig Pawson officiating today. The South Yorkshire referee was in charge when we lost at Anfield early in the season, then a 1-0 home defeat at the hands of Leicester, and most recently the 2-1 defeat at Wolves, when he also gave both David Lewis and Bernd Lino their marching orders. This is the ninth season that the 42-year-old official has been a Premier League referee. This season, he has been the man in the middle for 17 Premier League games, dishing out a total of 65 yellow cards and three reds. Notice Board Wendy Siddle Wishing you a very happy 60th birthday. With lots of love, Luke, Tom and Pauline. Alessia Savia Cook Born March the 6th, 2021 Continuing the family tradition. Aguna forever.
Love Grandma and Grandpa. Totalizer, £738. Arsenal Remembers. Stephen Halliday. Aged 59 from Hoxton, who loved the Gunners and his family. A lifelong Arsenal fan who passed his passion of Arsenal down to his daughters. He will be loved forever and missed by many. Victor Barrett. Passed away aged 63 with cancer. A very family-orientated man who loved the Arsenal. We will always laugh at you telling us how you missed our 1979 Cup final winner because you crouched down after United equalised. You are loved lots, Vic. Sleep well. Arsenal ITK Our last three Premier League games against Fulham have seen the Gunners win 5-1, 4-1 and 3-0. In our top-flight history, we've never beaten an opponent by at least three goals in four consecutive games before. Arsenal have lost just one of their last 42 home league games against sides in the relegation zone, W39-D2. Though it was in our last such match against Burnley back in December, 1-0. Both Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and Alexandre Lacazette have found the net in all three of their Premier League games for Arsenal against Fulham, with both strikers netting four goals each in these meetings. Alexandre Lacazette is Arsenal's highest league scorer this season, with 13 goals, with the Frenchman only netting more in a Premier League campaign in 2017-18-14. Meanwhile, only Harry Kane, 7, has scored more Premier League London derby goals this season than Lacazette, 5. Supporting a return As we look forward to a brighter future, with our supporters back where they belong at Emirates Stadium, we fully support the open letters sent to MPs by a range of sporting bodies, including the Premier League. The letter outlines the support for a Covid certification review as a credible option to enable full stadia from June the 21st onwards. It refers to the UK government investigating how a COVID certification arrangement could reduce and then safely remove the requirement for social distancing. It goes on to say, there are many issues to be addressed, including how the technology would work and its ease of use at major events. It also states that any solution must ensure that everyone can access Stadia and must include arrangements that would verify a negative COVID test or an antibody test or vaccination certificate. The final approach must not be discriminatory, should protect privacy and have clear exit criteria. Based on these principles, we support the review of the use of COVID certification for major events. Any final decision on their application should follow an assessment of the evidence gathered in the forthcoming ERP, Events Research Programme, trials. Throughout the pandemic, we have worked closely with the relevant authorities to ensure the safe return of our fans. We continue to support the work being done by the UK Government and the Premier League to achieve the timeline for the return of supporters, 
which has been set out in consultation with medical and safety experts. We will provide ticketing info for our final home game against Brighton and Hove Albion and membership renewals for season 2021-22 in the coming weeks. Peter Goy It was with great sadness that the club heard of the recent death of former goalkeeper Peter Goy, aged 82. Peter joined us aged 15 in August 1953, having excelled as a Lincolnshire schoolboy footballer. He became a professional at Highbury two years later and was a regular for us in the football combination and metropolitan leagues, winning the latter competition with the team in 1958-59. In all, he played 201 games for the Gunners, primarily for the youth and reserve teams, but he did make two first-team appearances in season 1958-59 and we won them both against Leeds United and Birmingham City, 1-0 and 2-1 respectively. A valuable backup to first-team keepers Jack Kelsey and Jim Standen, Peter was with us for seven seasons, before leaving for Southend United in October 1960. He later went on to play for Watford and Huddersfield Town, before a spell playing in South Africa. Our thoughts are with Peter's family and friends. Arsenal in the blood. Our supporters club in Mizoram, India, have informed us of an excellent event they held recently. The group regularly have special events for their membership, such as futsal, but recently decided they would come together and help the local community with a collective blood donation, attended by numerous members and generating some much-needed publicity around blood donation in the region of northeastern India. Great work, Mizoram. You have Arsenal in the blood. Premier League Match Day 31, 7pm, Sunday, April the 11th at Bramall Lane. Arsenal 3, Sheffield United 0. First half. Our attacking link-up play was much improved from recent weeks, and we soon took control. Bukayo Osaka, Nicolas Pepe and Gabriel Martinelli were combining particularly well, while Danny Caballos was full of nice touches in the midfield. It was one such delightful flick from the Spaniard that set up the opening goal for Alexandre Lacazette. We worked the ball well outside the area, with Thomas Partey and Saka involved, before Caballos found Lacazette with a deft touch, and he finished neatly past Aaron Ramsdale. It was a wonderful flowing team goal, and no more than we deserved at that point. Martinelli had already flashed a couple of efforts wide, while Callum Chambers, up from full-back, had seen his low effort blocked by a defender when it seemed destined for the net. Second half. The second goal finally came twenty minutes from time. It was Pepe who pounced on a loose pass, his low shot was only parried by Ramsdale and Martinelli was in the right place to tap home his first goal since netting at Stamford Bridge in January 2020. Lacazette raced through late on and confidently tucked home party's slide rule pass to bring up his half-century of Premier League goals, becoming the 10th Arsenal player to the landmark.
Player feature, Pablo Mari. In helping us to our first clean sheet since January last weekend, our Spanish central defender took his chance to shine once again. Whilst Alex Lacazette and Gabriel Martinelli store the headlines on our 3-0 victory over Sheffield United last week, there was another gunner who went under the radar at the other end of the pitch, Pablo Mari. Cool and calm in possession, yet dominant in the air and strong in the tackle, Mari has quietly enjoyed a successful 2020-21 campaign, putting together a number of impressive performances at the heart of our defence. It took Mari until December to make his first Premier League start of the season, but he marked it with a 3-1 victory over Chelsea and has lost just one of his seven league outings since then, winning four and keeping three clean sheets. The Spaniard had been so impressive, in fact, that his intelligent positioning and ability to read the game has been likened to a certain Pierre Mertesacker. High praise, indeed. You were involved in the last London derby we played against West Ham. What do you remember from it? The last time we faced West Ham was a really crazy game. Thinking about that game, the first 30 minutes isn't the kind of match we want to play. But at the end of the day, this is football. You can put all your energy and effort into a game and sometimes things just don't happen. But I think it shows that regardless of what happened out there, we need to continue playing continue working on our ideas. We did that and the last 15 minutes we scored with lacquer and then the second half was totally dominated by us. We showed that we can battle and fight until the 90 minutes is over. How does it feel when you have the kind of start to a game? When you're in a situation like that you've got to keep your mind out of the result because if you're constantly thinking we're losing 3-0. It's difficult to continue with a game plan because you keep forcing things and playing yourself into difficult situations. You have to take your mind away from the results and focus entirely on the game plan. This is the only way that you can do it. We knew we had 60 minutes remaining to turn the game around, so we had to remain calm and remember all of the preparation that we've put in. It's been a stop-start season for you so far. How difficult is it for you to maintain your focus? I have to tell you, it isn't easy coming in and out of the starting eleven. You have to be professional every single day and you need to forget about whether you're going to play or not because it's all about the team. You just need to focus on everything possible on that training field to impress the coach and to get more opportunities. It's very hard for Mikel to choose who he's going to play But that's his job, and it's my job to give him a reason to pick me. Everything that's in my hands, I will give all to control the situation. The rest I have to forget about because it's decision for the coach. You've only been on the losing side once in the league this season. You must be feeling pretty confident on the pitch right now. I'm really happy and I'm really proud with myself and my teammates for these games. And even when you look at the Manchester City game, it was only 1-0. And if after a few moments changed, we could have let all three points go. They're one of the best teams in the world right now. And obviously, I wasn't happy that we lost. But the fact that we made it so difficult for City to beat us and cut through us, I think that's a positive. 
Looking back on my games in general, I think the numbers speak for themselves. It's not an opinion, it's just a fact. My numbers are there, but at the end of the day, the coach is the person who decides whether or not I'm going to play. And if I don't start, I have to be ready to help the team in any way possible. It takes more than 11 players to win a football match. And scoring your first goal for the club in December, that must have been something to remember. I was really happy on that day. Scoring your first goal for any club is amazing, but to do it for Arsenal is something really special. My second goal will be something really special too, because doing anything for this club makes me happy. Our last league match here against Liverpool was a really disappointing one. What did Mikhail say to you at the end of the game? Well, we all have the same message in on our minds, and that's that games like those are unacceptable. At this point of the season, it's really on our minds that we want to go forward in the table and keep improving. But then we want to put the performance like that. We got a result that we deserve. It isn't acceptable from us. And we've been working hard in training to make sure that it doesn't happen again. The club came close to remember David Rowcastle that day. Do you know much about him? Everyone at Arsenal has been telling me about David Rowcastle and his influence on the football club. He was a really important player and he figures for Arsenal both on and off the pitch. I was proud that we could represent his name that day. Players just like this prove that football is so much more than just a game. It's really important to remember players who do so much for the club and impact the lives of others. What do you know about Fulham? They've been fighting hard to stay in the Premier League for next season. Well, they didn't start well this season. They've been increasing their performance and they've been looking a lot better. They picked up a big result against Liverpool last month in their defence and that's improved too. So we need to be ready for a difficult challenge because they're fighting for survival. Young centre-half Toshin was at Manchester City when you were there. Did you ever play alongside him? I never played with him, but I know him. I know his brother played with me at NAC Brenda, and a lot of people tell me about him. So, I know about him. How are you feeling about life that some of the lockdown restrictions are easing? How good is that for you and your family? Well, first of all, it's been an incredibly difficult year for everybody in the situation. So I really hope that everybody is getting back to being okay and feeling positive now, that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. We seem to be doing a lot better now the restrictions are easing, and we're doing the right things. We just need to keep going like this at the end to help the vaccine. Hopefully, we can get closer to have some normality. In terms of what life's been like for us, it's been very repetitive. We go to training, we come home, and that's it. We can't do anything else. We can't travel. We can't go to another country. But if we do, we have to quarantine, and that's the way it is. We're very fortunate still being able to do things that we love. How are your friends and family back home in Spain? It sounds like a fourth wave is coming, so they're waiting to see what will happen and what will change at the moment. There is this thing with COVID. It can change every few weeks, so you just need to respect the rules and stay safe. Hopefully, they can start going forward too. What's the one thing that you really look to when you can reach normality again? I think I'm just missing the simple things, to be honest, like travelling, seeing my family is very important to me. But I like so many others to be around the world. I just haven't been able to do it for a year now. That's been really hard for me. I miss my family a lot. 
So the first thing I want to do is give them all a big, big hug. Perhaps one of your favourite fishing trips with a family member? Oh, for sure. When we go back in summer, fishing will be the one of the first things I do with my family. And I cannot wait. Convertible Currency Football historian John Sperling looks at the evolution of Arsenal players' positions, past and present. Bob goes left field after Liverpool manager Bill Shankly failed to sign Huddersfield fullback Bob McNabb in 1966. He contented himself by saying, It's okay, he never could play anyway. But Shankly knew that when the 23 year old Nabbers, as he became known at Highbury, headed to N5 for a record £50,000 fee, he'd missed out on an emerging talent. Initially, new Arsenal manager Bertie Mee played McNabb at right back in the number two shirt, and the player kept his place, making 25 appearances during that 1966-67 campaign. During the following campaign, McNabb flitted between both the right back and left back positions. But by the time the Gunners faced Leeds United in the 1968 League Cup final, McNabb was ensconced on the left. Like several of Mee's backline, McNabb realised that a willingness to be flexible in terms of one's position in the team was part and parcel of representing Arsenal, a club in flux at that time. Frank McClintock was converted from a misfiring midfielder into a commanding centre-back in the 1969-70 campaign and McClintock's centre-back partner, Peter Simpson, had also done a shift at full-back. McNabb and Simpson weren't always over the moon about the situation, but in the long term both acknowledged that it made them more effective defenders. McNabb said, I was able to conceptualise how the game would build up on the right as well as the left during matches. Plus, I was happy to help out on the right whenever I was needed even though I was, by the time Arsenal had their successful era in the 1970s, first and foremost a left-back. At first, McNabb worked in tandem with right-back Peter Storey, before Don Howe suggested shifting Storey into midfield and slotting young Pat Rice in as first-choice right-back. There was a great deal of movement over the course of three or four years. Pat Rice even played one game at left-back, against Manchester United in September 1969 and we found that it added to our experience of reading the game. Hard and crisp in the tackle, McNabb also enjoyed his forays forward down the wing and his ability to get to the byline and pull the ball back was never better illustrated than in the second leg of the 1970 Fairs Cup final when he laid on John Radford's goal. One of McNabb's greatest strengths was his ability to cajole and organise teammates. Frank McClintock described him as being the best tactician in the team. Despite the din of the crowds, McNabb could always make himself heard when it came to orchestrating the team's offside trap, organising Arsenal's defensive walls for opposition free kicks and seeing out tight matches. These days, McNabb would be regarded as a master of game management. Perhaps the only time that McNabb's finely tuned antennae failed was when he told McClintock that he lacked the discipline to make a success of playing at centre-back, after Don Howe first moved him there in 1969, although McClintock also had his doubts. 
McNabb's international aspirations were blocked by the excellence of Leeds United's Terry Cooper. But after being informed that he wouldn't form part of England manager Alf Ramsey's final squad of 22 for the 1970 World Cup, McNabb, who eventually won four caps, haired back to London and formed part of ITV's revolutionary panel, alongside Jimmy Hill, Malcolm Allison, Pat Creerand and Derek Dugan. Arsenal teammates were taken aback by McNabb's relative quietness, but McNabb was wary of criticising teammates who he hoped to play alongside in the future. Despite a pelvic injury keeping him out throughout most of the 1971-72 season, this left-back come occasional right-back was a mainstay of the Arsenal defence until he joined Wolves on a free transfer in July 1975. Baker's unlucky seven. Standing at just 5 foot 8 inches, Arsenal's fan favourite, Joe Baker, was hardly an obvious candidate to be a custodian between the sticks. But in the days before substitutes, that's exactly what happened when goalkeeper Jack McClelland was injured early on in a match between Arsenal and Leicester City at Filbert Street in the 1963-64 campaign. Baker, who'd netted twice in the Gunners' 3-2 win over West Bromwich Albion four days earlier, enjoyed throwing himself around in goal in training. But in the heat of battle, he was found wanting. Billy Wright's team went down 7-2, and Baker later recalled, In training, I'm sure the goals were smaller, but during the Leicester game, every time they scored, the dimensions appeared to grow. It left me with a new admiration for the work goalkeepers do. Restored to his customary position as Arsenal's number nine, the England striker with a Scottish accent scored 26 goals in 39 appearances that season. Fourteen times, Arsenal women's FA Cup wins. Last August, we lifted the FA Cup for a record-extending 14th time. But it's not just our rich, illustrious history in football's oldest knockout competition that is synonymous with the number 14. And it's not only the men's team who have won a record-breaking 14 FA Cups. Our women's side have the same number of triumphs in the women's FA Cup. That's at least six more victories than any other side has yet managed, since the inception of the tournament in 1970-71. We won our first FA Cup in 1993, and have therefore won 14 of the past 28 editions. Our most recent win was in 2016. We've reached the final 16 times in all, losing in 2010 and 2018. The details of the 14 wins are as follows. 1993, Arsenal 3, Doncaster Bells 0. Scorers, Curley, Ball, Bampton. 1995, Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2. Scorers, Lonergan 2, Spacey. 1998, Arsenal 3, Croydon 2. Scorers, Spacey, Yankee, Few. 1999, Arsenal 2, Southampton, nil. Scorers, Hayes, Own Goal, Wheatley. 
2001. Arsenal 1, Fulham 0. Scorer, Banks. 2004. Arsenal 3, Charlton 0. Scorers, Fleeting 3. 2006. Arsenal 5, Leeds United 0. Scorers, Ward, Own Goal, Fleeting, Yankee, Smith, Sanderson. 2007. Arsenal 4, Charlton 1. Scorers, Smith, 2. Ludlow, 2. 2008. Arsenal 4, Leeds United 1. Scorers, Smith, 2. Ludlow, Sanderson. 2009. Arsenal 2, Sunderland 1. Scorers, Chapman, Little. 2011. Arsenal 2, Bristol Academy, nil. Scorers, Little, Fleeting. 2013. Arsenal 3, Bristol Academy, nil. Scorers, Houghton, Nobbs, White. 2014. Arsenal 2, Everton, nil. Scorers, Smith, Kinger. 2016. Arsenal 1, Chelsea, nil. Scorer, Carter. Community. 14 London football clubs, one epic virtual race. 50 Arsenal staff members recently took part in a unique challenge, Race Europe, aiming to virtually cover the 6,720-mile distance between the Euro 2021 host cities in the fastest time possible. Competing against the other London clubs, staff members, including volunteer community coaches, put their running, walking, yoga, boxing, HIIT training and more to good use, converting all their hard work into miles. The event was organised by London United, a collaboration between the community trusts of the 14 London clubs. Harnessing all the amazing work the trusts do, Individuality, London United aims to achieve even greater impact, delivering London-wide programmes to improve lives, particularly those of young people. Since the start of March, the Arsenal staff team have raised over £9,000 and consecutively travelled over 8,000 miles. Whilst other teams may have completed the challenge quicker, the focus on our staff was to maintain motivation at the end of what has been a challenging year driving each other to achieve fitness and well-being goals and learning more about the work of the Arsenal Foundation. The money raised will directly impact the lives of young people on our Coaching for Life programme, changing lives through football and giving young people a sense of belonging to the Arsenal family. The Race Europe Challenge really helped motivate me to get out running Even on the cold and rainy days, it was also great to feel part of the Arsenal team and do something positive during this difficult time, says Navasha Dakes. The team can be extremely proud of the daily dose of physical activity, but it's nothing new, but for many it has become the source of relief from the unusual circumstance. Many of the squad have had some level of celebrity or ex-player presence 
and we were lucky enough to be able to lead by our former captain and current academy manager, Pierre Mertesacker. As well as contributing to the team's efforts, Pierre provided regular words of motivation and support to get the team across the line. A huge thank you to all involved in making the challenge a huge success. Europa League quarter-final first leg, 8pm Thursday, April the 8th at the Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, Slavia Prague 1. First half. The game got off to a tentative start, with neither side able to dominate what proved to be a tepid first half, although Bukiosaka had a good opportunity when he was played in by Alex Lacazette, only to be dispossessed in the area and then the same combination ended with the teenager curling a shot wide on the half-hour mark. A Rob holding header was tipped over five minutes before the interval, but that was as close as we came. Second half. We stepped up the tempo after the restart, and Willian struck the post from a free kick. Lacazette then dispossessed the last defender and raced clean through on goal. The striker drew the goalkeeper, but his shot hit the bar and flew clear. Moments later, the striker poked over on the stretch from a sucker cross. Thomas Partey then fired wide from the edge of the area, but so did Slavia's Peter Sevchik. Some sharp one-touch play saw Emile Smith-Rowe find sub Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang in the area, but he sliced his shot wide as we flooded forward. Gabriel Martinelli then had a shot tipped over the bar and finally, with four minutes remaining, we had our goal as Aubameyang fed Nicolas Pepe on the break and he dinked the ball over the keeper and in. But there was to be one final twist as, with seconds remaining, Slavia whipped in a deep cross and Thomas Holes headed in from close range. Forward Arsenal, number 12, William. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward, so we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. Do you know what your schedule is like for the next few days stroke weeks, or do you just look at the next day? We have an app that tells us what's coming up and what our schedule is, but I look at it day by day, step by step, and take it that way. I think it's better because things can always change. What I look forward to most though in training is when we work with the ball. Everybody likes that. Of course, sometimes we have to do physical and tactical training, but it's more enjoyable when we have the ball with us. Small games, work in boxes, that sort of thing. And off the pitch, what are your plans for the next few days away from football? Well, at the moment, there is not much anyone can do because of the restrictions. But normally we like to go for dinner with my wife and friends when I get time off, and spend time with my family as well, because I have a young family. Away from football, we also have some interests. We invest in property and things, so that keeps us busy, because we like to look after our future, and be ready for when I stop playing. Also, I have a restaurant in London with David Louise, and I will spend more time on that when I retire. I'd like to get more involved in that in the future, because obviously I don't have much time for that right now. So what are your plans for when you stop playing? I want to become an agent. I'm preparing myself for that profession. I've already started work on that, 
I want to go into that because I love football and I want to stay in the sport. I want to do a job in that area, but I don't want to become a manager or a coach. I want to be slightly more outside, but still involved in football. Where do you think you will be based? I think in Brazil, London too, hopefully everywhere in the world. But really, I don't know where we will end up living. I have got three dream places that I could settle in after my career is over. One is London. The second is Sao Paulo in Brazil. The third is Miami in America. So it will be one of those three, I hope. What else would you like to do when you retire that you can't do now? Travel, for sure. It's one of the things that I want to do. I've travelled a lot as a player, but it's very different to travelling with your family. That's what I want to do, see some places with my family when I finish my playing career. I don't know where particular I want to go, there are so many. Before you finish your playing career though, what do you still hope to achieve? I still want to achieve a lot of things. I want to win more trophies, and I want to be at the next World Cup. I will do my best to be there. But yeah, I want to lift trophies for Arsenal. I have a lot of things in my mind that I want to achieve. I want to win as much as I can with the team and go back to the national team as well. Do you have a plan for the next couple of years in your mind? Well, my plan is to stay at Arsenal. I have a contract here and to win trophies. I have two more years here and my plan is to stay and be successful, to play and win something with the club. After that, whenever I have finished here, I really want to go to America and play there. Possibly stay in Europe, I don't know. But at the moment, one of my targets is to play in America at some point in my career. Finally, you are told there is a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Would you want to go? No, I don't want to go. I'll stay at home, thank you. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? Curacao. Brazilian barbecue, basically. New car. I'd have a Rolls Royce. It's my dream to have one. Holiday destination. St. Bart's in the Caribbean. Trophy you win. I want to name two. The World Cup and Champions League. New teammate. I'd take Eden Hazard. Arsenal Academy Developing Strong Young Gunners In this issue Young Gun Jack Henry Francis Match Report Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST.
Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Latest under-18 action. News. First team exposure. Remember. Fran Marida. Young Gun. Jack Henry Francis. Born, London, September 23, 2003. Height and weight, 5 foot 8 inches and 68 kilograms. Position, centre midfield. Boots, Adidas Predator. Signed for Arsenal, 2016. School, Royal Russell, Croydon. Football has meant everything to me for as long as I can remember. It's just one of those things that has always been part of my life. Right from when I was a toddler, my parents used to take me to these little training sessions every Saturday in West Wickham, and I loved it. I was never pushed into football or anything like that, but my dad is a massive football fan, and he used to play Sunday League. School football played a big part in my development too. Those early memories of playing football in the playground and having a laugh with my mates are what it's all about really, and I think that sparked my love for the game. From there, I joined a Sunday league team called Tulse Hill, and they trained every Saturday at Dulwich Park. I'll never forget my first game for them. I was playing as a right-back and I scored two goals in a 7-2 win. That was my first ever experience of a match environment. I joined them as a six-year-old, but it didn't last long because I was invited to Fulham's development centre after three months, and that's how my journey in academy football started. I spent two years training and playing for them, and then I signed my contract officially with Fulham at under-9s. The development centre was amazing. That's when I started to really enjoy football and realised that this is something I really want to do. We used to play in an astro cage and all I can remember is just running about, having fun and scoring goals. The simple things, really. Anyway, I ended up staying with Fulham until under-12s and that's when I was first spotted by Arsenal. I was used to the academy lifestyle by this point and knew what to expect when travelling to different clubs. But it did feel different playing for Arsenal. Coming through the gates at Hale End and seeing all the amazing facilities was just unbelievable, really. I just remember being so buzzing to get going. Most of my current teammates in the under-18s were there on my first day and I actually played with Charlie Sago Jr. since I was seven years old at Fulham. I made my debut against Chelsea, and that was quite an experience for me, because my family all support Chelsea. We ended up winning the National Cup that season too, so that was amazing. As for this season, 
and my general development as a player, it's been a real breakthrough year for me. I had a difficult start to the season, as I was trying to fight my way into the team. But as time has gone on, I've been getting more and more opportunities, and I feel like my performances have been improving too. If I had to describe my style of play, I'd say I'm a deeper midfielder, but I can play as a box-to-box too. I like to keep the ball moving, and I'm a player who's really aggressive off the ball. Sadly, he picked up an injury recently, but I've got a really good understanding with Mauro Bandeira on the pitch, and I feel like he complements my game really well. Other than midfield, I also love having Taylor Ferran behind me in defence. He's a really good talker on the pitch and a fantastic organiser, so I feel like everyone feels comfortable with him in the side. As for my goals between now and the end of the season, I'd like to boost my numbers and keep putting in solid performances week in, week out for the team. It's all about consistency, and if I remain focused on the training pitch, then I feel like everything else will fall into place on the pitch. Jack Henry Francis, Lowdown Rate yourself Speed, 70 Shooting, 80 Dribbling, 75 Strength, 70 Passing, 90 Defending, 85 Earliest memory of football Playing in the playground at school Got me into playing football, my dad. First footballer looked up to, Frank Lampard. Favourite football shirt owned, 2010 World Cup England shirt. Favourite pair of old boots, Adidas F50s. Best friend in football, Charles Sago Jr. Best training ground tip. Every time you step on the pitch, play like it's your last. Best moment of my career so far. Winning a tournament in Singapore for Arsenal. Best goal of all time. Ronaldo's overhead kick. Best goal I've scored. Long-range shot into the top corner. Best player I've faced. Jamal Musiala at Bayern Munich. Best performance. My Arsenal under-23s debut versus Everton. Best piece of skill I've done in a game. Magedi spin. One stadium I'd like to score in. Emirates Stadium. One type of goal I'd like to score. A long-range volley. A player to score a one-on-one to save my life. Sergio Aguero. If I could completely change position, I'd be a striker. Favourite training drill, small-sided games and 5v5s. Team supported as a child, Chelsea. My football memorabilia. All my trophies, medals and pennants. Ambitions for this season away from the pitch. To keep working on my A-level and BTEC work. Another sport I'm good at. Table tennis. The important non-playing attributes for young footballers are confidence, resilience and commitment.
Biggest lesson learnt off the pitch at Arsenal. Try to have good habits off the pitch to take them onto the pitch. Take preparation seriously. Me, favorite footballer of all time, Cristiano Ronaldo. Favorite follow on Instagram, Karim Benzema. Most played Spotify artist, Drake. Favorite musician right now, Dave. Favorite pre-match song. Life is good. Future featuring Drake. Best football attribute: passing. One thing I need on an away day: music. One thing I want to do in my football career: win the Champions League. If I wasn't a footballer, I'd be a firefighter. First team player I look up to most: Bukayo Saka. Player who shaped my game most: Engolo Kante. Best thing about being at Arsenal: you are surrounded by top players. Something not many people know about me: I've been to the Real Madrid stadium, Bernabeu. Teammates: we'll definitely make it, Zayn Monlouis. Most skills in the locker: Kido Taylor Hart. Best passing range: Miguel Aziz. Best touch: Omari Hutchinson. Most double-footed: Marcelo Flores. Would be best manager: Remy Mitchell. Most committed: Brook Norton Cuffey. Strongest: Moro Bandera. Captain material: Taylor Ferran. Funniest: Kion Edwards. Most confident, Zach Orr. Better than they think they are, Billy Vigor. Best singer, Henry Jeffcott. Match reports: Under eighteen Premier League South, Tuesday, April the sixth, Staplewood Training Centre. Southampton FC two, Pierce eight, Pen forty one, Arsenal two. Edwards twenty seven, Hutchinson forty five. Arsenal under eighteen, Edge Harry, Norton Cuffey, Ferran, Or, Ogungbo, Henry Francis, Sirjan, substituted with Gasper in the eighty first minute. Hutchinson, Sago Junior, substituted with Flores in the sixty fourth minute. Idaho, Edwards. Subs not used: Robinson, Mitchell, Green. Our under eighteens delivered a spirited performance, but were held to a frustrating two-two draw against Southampton. The result meant the team went unbeaten in their last three outings across all competitions. But in truth, Ken Gillard's side deserved to leave with all three points. It was a lively encounter from the start. And Southampton took the lead inside just eight minutes. Zach Orr appeared to win the ball with a tackle inside the area, but the referee thought otherwise, and Luke Pierce was on hand to convert from the spot. It didn't take us long to respond, though, as Jack Henry Francis picked up the ball on the edge of the area and slipped in Kion Edwards, who jinked past his man before firing into the top corner. 
But the first half drama didn't end there. Pierce went on to restore Southampton's lead with a powerful effort in off the bar, before we equalised on the stroke of half-time, in some style. Brooke Norton Cuffey surged forward and reached the byline, attracting three defenders and skipping past them all, before squaring for Omari Hutchinson to finish from close range. Following the restart, we continued to push forward in search of a winner, and Joel Idaho came close at the far post, only to be denied by an outstanding save from Oliver Wright. Edwards' driven effort from a well-worked set-piece routine was then cleared away by an outstretched defender, before his audacious overhead kick was claimed by Wright. Marcelo Flores had a late chance to secure the win, but his goal-bound effort was cleared off the line, and we were forced to settle for a share of the spoils. Under-18 Premier League South Saturday, April 10th, Imbercourt Sports Club Fulham, 3 Dibley Diaz, 65 Bowie, 72 Bireth, 80 Arsenal, 1 Idaho, 60 Arsenal Under-18 Edger Herry Norton Cuffey Ferran, Jeffcott Ogungbo, or Henry Francis, substituted with Gasper in the 79th minute, Hutchinson, Flores, substituted with Richards in the 79th minute, Idaho, substituted with Walters in the 74th minute, Edwards. Subs not used, Mitchell, Sago Jr. Our under-18s suffered a frustrating defeat last week, as they were beaten 3-1 by Fulham on the road. We came into this fixture unbeaten in our last four away outings across all competitions, but collapsed late on, despite taking the lead on the hour mark. The first half proved to be a tightly contested encounter, with chances few and far between. Fulham would go on to create one golden opportunity, though, as Ibane Boat crashed a powerful header back off the bar from an in-swinging delivery. Following the restart, the hosts continued to dominate play and came close through Michael Olakigbe's diving header. But with a moment of magic from Amari Hutchinson, delivering an inch-perfect delivery into the penalty, Joel Idaho was on hand to open the scoring. Our lead would last just five minutes, though, as the referee awarded Fulham a contentious free kick and Matthew Dibley-Diaz duly fired into the bottom corner. Kieran Bowie then went on to give the hosts the lead, firing home from close range at the far post, before Mika Beereth doubled their advantage with a drilled finish into the bottom corner, taking Fulham top of the table on goal difference. Academy News Idaho in red-hot form With three goals in his last four league appearances, Joel Idaho is full of confidence for our under-18s right now. The 17-year-old joined us back in October 2020 and has had to work hard for opportunities and game time, but he's currently reaping the rewards for Ken Gillard's side. The youngster opened his account for our under-18s against Norwich in March before scoring a stunning curling effort against Reading less than two weeks later. 
he also provided an assist in that dramatic 4-3 victory and has since found the back of the net against Fulham. A pacey and skillful winger, Idaho typically operates on the left, where he can cut inside and use his favoured right foot. Keep up the hard work, Joel. Joel joins the squad. Joel Lopez was named in his first Europa League matchday squad last week, as we were held to a 1-1 draw by Slavia Prague. The 19-year-old has been in impressive form for our under-23s this season, and with Kieran Tierney unavailable through injury, he's gained a place in the pecking order at left-back. Developed in Barcelona's famous La Masia Academy, Joel made the move to North London at just 16 years of age, following in the footsteps of Hector Bellerin and Cesc Fabregas, who both left as teenagers. Lopez became a regular for our under-18s in his first season at the club, and he maintained his position in the side throughout 2019-20. But this season, he stepped things up. Lopez has made 13 league appearances for our under-23s this season, and while he's always been a technical player, his physical attributes have certainly improved as he's adapted to the English game. Keep it up, Joel. Miguel gets the nod. Congratulations to Miguel Aziz, who was named in his first Premier League matchday squad last week, taking his place on the bench for our 3-0 win at Sheffield United. The 18-year-old is building a reputation for his silky style of play in midfield, and it's no surprise when you take a look at his performances for our under-23s this season. Aziz has made 16 appearances across all competitions for our under-23s this season, scoring three and assisting twice. Since the start of 2019-20, he's registered five goals and four assists, with four of those goals arriving from outside the penalty area. A dynamic central midfielder with an eye for a pass and the ability to play out of danger Miguel made his first team debut for the club back in December against Dundalk FC. Fingers crossed that it's the first of many more to come. Academy alumni Catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from Emirates. Fran Merida Arriving at the Arsenal Academy in 2007, the central midfielder from Barcelona understandably came with the heavy reputation of being the new Chesk. And despite a couple of highlights, notably a goal in a 2-1 League Cup quarter-final win over Liverpool in October 2009 and a Premier League goal in a 2-0 away win over Bolton, Fabregas got the first, he was unable to convert promising cameos into regular first-team football at Emirates Stadium, playing 17 first-team games in all. Leaving Arsenal for Atletico Madrid in 2010, after a loan spell at Real Sociedad, Fran played 30 times in the Spanish capital before heading into the Spanish second division with Hercules in 2012, via a loan spell in Portugal with Braga. Next, it was off to Brazil for a couple of seasons with Atletico Paranaense, 
before heading back to Spain and Huesca in 2016, followed shortly by a move to Osasuna for undoubtedly the most successful spell of his career, four seasons and 110 games, featuring 11 goals. His form saw him offered a chance to head home to Barcelona at the start of the current season and Espanyol, where the 31-year-old has been a regular all-campaign, notching up 35 appearances in the Segunda Division, scoring once. The Visitors Fulham Formed 1879 Nickname The Cottagers The Whites Stadium Craven Cottage 19,359 Honours Second Division Championship winners 1948-49 Second Tier Playoff winners 2017-18 Third Division League 2 winners 1931 to 32. 1998-99 FA Cup runners-up, 1975. Europa League runners-up, 2010. Inter Toto Cup winners, 2002. Owner, Shahid Khan. Chairman, Shahid Khan. Social followers, Twitter, 59,000. Instagram, 579,000. Facebook, 881,000. Promoted to the Premier League only last summer after defeating fellow West Londoners Brentford 2-1 after extra time in the Championship playoff at Wembley, Fulham appeared to be in grave danger of heading straight back to English football's second tier. With four defeats in a row, they have a mountain to climb if they're able to make their way out of the relegation zone where they've been trapped for most of the season in which they have notched up just five league victories. Fortune to bid for the raise for the Cottagers when they moved 26 points in early March within touching distance of 17th place with a famous 1-0 win against Champions League Liverpool at Anfield. It was the club's sixth successive league game without defeat, a run that also included another win on Merseyside, 2-0 at Everton, and a 1-0 home victory at bottom club Sheffield United, plus draws at home to West Ham and away to Burnley and Crystal Palace. But then came a 3-0 home defeat at tabletop in Man City and another reverse at Craven Cottage against fellow Premier League newcomers Leeds before they let slip to Aston Villa, conceding three late goals to lose 3-1, then allowed Wolves to score in stoppage time winner at Craven Cottage on their most recent outing. A week last Friday, just to add to Fulham's woe, 17th place Newcastle came from behind to win 2-1 at Burnley, two days later to move six points ahead of the Cottagers with a game in hand. Fulham's tally of 26 league points is the same number as they managed two seasons ago with their first year after promotion. They finished 19th and were relegated alongside Huddersfield and Cardiff City, at the end of the season, which they used three managers, Schlesler Jovanic, Claudio Ranine, and a run-in current boss, Scott Parker. With six games to go, four of them away, it is obvious that Fulham will have to add many more points to their total in the coming weeks if they are to manufacture a remarkable escape from the drop zone.
Although the Cottagers have been something of a yo-yo club for late, they were Premier League participants for 13 successive seasons from 2001 to 2013, a Hallison period during which they staged a remarkable run to the final of the UEFA Europa League. Under manager Roy Hodgson in 2009-10, beating the likes of Juventus, before finally going down in extra time to Atletico Madrid in Hamburg in the competition's integral final. European football, however, is a fading memory for Fulham fans as they contemplate another season back in the Championship. Although with 18 points still to play for, Parker and his players, many of them loanees from other clubs, know that it's all not yet lost. A victory today against an Arsenal side who beat them 3-0 at Craven Cottage in the opening weekend of the season would certainly restore some much-needed confidence and hope. Mutual admiration. In the satisfying example of symmetry, Philip Senderos started 54 Premier Leagues for both Arsenal and Fulham. In total, the Swiss actually paid 117 games for the Gunners, including sub-appearances. 50 more than his total appearances for the Cottagers, in addition to the remarkable cup success the central defender had with the Gunners. He won the 2005 FA Cup and played eight games in Arsene Wenger's team run to the Championship League final. Having spent the following season seven years at Arsenal, when injury perhaps prevented him from being a world-class central defender that many had predicted. He joined Fulham in the summer of 2010, just prior to Mark Hughes' arrival as manager, and spent three and a half seasons at West London. Although Senderos' contributions were again hindered by injuries, the 36-year-old is now a sporting director of his hometown club, Savette, in Switzerland. Premier League records. AFC wins 21. Five draws. Fulham Football Club wins three. Arsenal win percentage 72. All-time record. Arsenal Football Club wins 40. Draws 10. Fulham Football Club 8. Arsenal win percentage 69. Scouting report by Michael Cox. Arsenal's 3-0 victory over Fulham on the opening day of the campaign feels like an eternity ago, particularly when you look at Fulham's starting eleven. Probably only a couple of players who started the game at Craven Cottage in mid-September will start again this weekend, including the entirety new back four. Scott Parker's squad was boosted by several loan signings before the end of the transfer window and he gradually formed a well-disciplined, organised defence that proved effective at blunting opponents' key attacking weapons. Fulham have also shown impressive tactical flexibility and can switch between the back four and back three seamlessly. In goal, Afro's Ashina has been one of the Premier League's best shot stoppers this season, although will be disappointing that Adam Tyrone shot beater near the post last weekend. Key defensive addition was Anderson, who impressed instantly, quickly earning the captain's armband. He's good in the air and excellent at playing long diagonals. His regular partner, Asherim, offers more speed and covers more space behind him efficiently. Congolo and Alaola are other options and both are comfortable playing the outside centre-back roles in a three-man defence. Wing-back Antony Robinson was Fulham's main attacking threat, much for the first half of last weekend's narrow 1-0 defeat to Wolves. And Arsenal must be wary of quick diagonals out to him and his equivalent on the right, probably Kenny Titi. 
In the centre of midfield, Parker used a combination of Harrison Reed and Mario Limana last weekend. Reed is slight but very comfortable in possession and clever at poking passes between the lines. Whilst Limina plays more of the box-to-box role, Andre Frank Zambo may return to the side. However, particularly if Parker changes systems and includes a three-midfielder, he's recorded remarkable dribbling statistics this season, particularly for a central midfielder, although his shooting is frequently wayward. Going forward, Chelsea loaning Ruben Loftus-Cheek has usually been fielded in the inside right position, although he's also played up front. Bobby DeCombrum Reed drifts among between the lines and is capable of moments of real magic, whilst Ivan is a threat on the break. Up front, though, Alexandra Mitrovic was restored to the starting eleven after good international break, where he became Serbia's all-time leading scorer, with an aerial sense of one of the best in the Premier League. January signings, Joss Mayer is an alternative. However, he works better with creative midfielders who want to play the ball into the channels. Ultimately, Fulham's strength and weaknesses are demonstrated by very basic numbers. Six sides have conceded more this season, but only Sheffield United have scored fewer. Fulham's problem has been the ability to win tight games, but Brighton have drawn more matches, still an improvement seen since September which has been sizeable, and Parker's side will make it hard for Arsenal this season. The Arsenal Foundation. My story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency COVID Fund has helped St Luke's Community Centre run its food hub during the pandemic. Volunteered Marcia Sofia Pullen tells us how the money helped the local community. I've been furloughed since the pandemic began, and I called St Luke's immediately to see if they needed any help with the food hub. I'd worked there before as their administration manager, and St Luke's is an outstanding community centre. It was brilliant to see how quickly they galvanised their wonderful staff to open the food hub and I had to get involved. At first we operated out of the cookery school and the queue was very long. We didn't know how long the pandemic was going to go on for, how many people would turn up each day or indeed how many donations would arrive. We were sometimes nervous in case we didn't have enough for people at the end of the queue but the devotion of the staff at St Luke's is just incredible, and I'm tremendously proud volunteering alongside them. Without the money from the Arsenal Foundation, we couldn't help as many people as we do now. We have a wonderful network of local volunteers and supporters, but like any charity, we still need money to operate. We urgently needed funds to buy food, and this is how the grant from the Arsenal Foundation was used. I was astounded one day when I saw just how much food we'd been able to buy. It was truly humbling, and for the first time I was speechless. The first week we supported 45 households, and we currently support around 165. But the number is still growing. Islington has a lot of people who work in the sort of jobs that were badly impacted by the pandemic. We know many lost their jobs because of covid and we saw more and more people in need of our help. One of my proudest moments was when one child told us it was going to be her 10th birthday, 
we bought her a pink birthday cake and wrapped some gifts and all of the staff came out to sing happy birthday. The look of pure joy on her face was wonderful. We all had tears in our eyes. Other memories are equally important but very sad, such as a little girl who spotted her grandmother in the queue and wasn't allowed to hug her and couldn't understand why. That was really heartbreaking. But we tried to make the Food Hub a positive experience, like a private club where we would greet everyone by name and ask them how they were getting on. I love Arsenal and I think football clubs and their players do a huge amount to support charities and those less well off. Footballers have been volunteering at food banks without any fanfare and people ought to be aware of all the great work that they do. For more info, visit www.slpt.org.uk Arsenal Women 30 minutes after today's match kicks off, Arsenal Women start their FA Cup fifth round match against Gillingham up at Meadow Park. Every home game for Joe Montemuro's team also features a matchday programme, and in today's issue, Joe's manager's notes have been replaced by an open letter to supporters from the manager, discussing his decision to leave the Gunners at the end of the season. It's a typically thoughtful and candid piece from Joe, and we thought it would be worth repeating here. Joe Montemuro An open letter to you, our fans, from our title-winning manager. Hello everyone, and welcome to the latest Matchday programme. As you may already know, I recently had to make one of the hardest decisions of my professional career so far. And after much consideration, I've decided to step down from my role as head coach of this amazing football club at the end of the season. This is something that has been on my mind for a little while. When I was looking ahead to the future and what I was able to give this club, I started to consider whether it was right for me to continue this project we've been working on for over three years now. And, despite some rumours, it had nothing to do with results against Chelsea or Manchester City. Above all else, it was about how I'd be feeling mentally at the end of the season and what would be required of me to take this team into a new campaign. The past year has been a testing time for us all, and I felt I'd started to become a little bit fatigued, and that isn't the kind of energy that I like to approach my work with. The hardest part was deciding to leave the club I love. I'm a lifelong gooner. I adore this club from the bottom of my heart, and here I am deciding whether to step away from a project I've worked so hard on. I've put so many hours into taking this club to a certain point, and now I feel like it's ready to go to the next level. But I just didn't know if I'd be the right person to do that anymore. I've always said it, I'm a football romantic. In every game you watch, every training session, every thought you have, you're always thinking about how you can do it better. And I got to the point where there were some blockages in terms of my thinking. I put that down to fatigue. And in life, you have to consider those things and where they're coming from. I think by stepping away and having some time to reflect, 
I can refresh and find that spark that will hopefully take me to the next level. Sometimes we forget the changing landscape of the game, both in men's and women's football. There are different levels of pressure and different demands, and the coaching cycle has definitely changed. It's one we need to know within ourselves. I could have just seen out my contract, and I'd have been very happy to stay. But sometimes you know you've done all you can do. I'm not saying it would have happened, but the one thing I didn't want to do was leave on a downward spiral. From my very first day in North London, I always said I wanted to leave the team in a better state than when I arrived and hand over a squad in a good state for the next person to come in and take them to the next level. It's worth remembering that this isn't my first project either. I started a project with Melbourne Victory and straight after that built a team from scratch at Melbourne City. So I've worked on three big, very different challenges and working on pretty much everything inside the club can take its toll. When you become so embedded, you feel like you're part of the family, and that makes it even harder to walk away. I'm walking away from the club I love, and one of the best jobs anyone could ever have, surrounded by some truly amazing people. Telling the players was one of the hardest parts of the process. It was an incredibly emotional moment for me, because we've been through so much together. But the one thing I got the players to do was to promise me they would continue to fight and work hard for Arsenal and the betterment of women's football, and that we would finish the season in the manner that they deserve. Now I must admit I don't go on social media much, but I've been overwhelmed by the love and support I've received online. It got me really emotional to see people sharing their favourite memories, thanking me for my time at the club and understanding the reasons behind my exit. Your support has been incredible throughout. It has been an absolute privilege to work for Arsenal, and I'm honoured that I've been able to help bring this club back to a certain level and make some incredible memories along the way. Hopefully, you think I've instilled a philosophy and way of playing that represents Arsenal during my time here, and now we can look forward to what's coming up next from these amazing players. Because, as an Arsenal fan, I can't wait to see. My Arsenal, Sam Pellman, age 28, lives in Hertfordshire. Occupation, digital marketer, type of membership, silver. Why are you an Arsenal fan? My dad was an Arsenal fan, so I'm a gooner, even before I knew it. First game, Arsenal versus Derby County in May 1999. Favourite game, versus Hull City, 2014 FA Cup final. I was lucky enough to go, and to see us at the end, and wait for the trophy. Match day routine, I stop for a burger and I walk from Finsbury Park Station, then I get the two-for-one sweets to chew on to help the nerves during the match. How do you feel when you approach the ground? Excited. That's why I love the walk to the ground. You can take the atmosphere and feel the anticipation rising as you get closer to the stadium. Favourite piece of memorabilia? I won an Arsenal signed ball in a school raffle when I was seven. Do you collect programmes? 
I like to keep a programme from every match I've been to, but my earliest one was from the week I was born. My mum worked with Joel Graham's daughter and she gave me and the parents a signed programme to celebrate my birth. What do you wear at games? Usually my 2011-2012 home shirt with the Henri 12 on the back as well as the classic red and white striped scarf with the gold cannons on. Favourite ever shirt? The bruised banana shirt. My dad had the original and I've always had an obsession with it from when I was a child and now I've inherited it. Who's your all-time favourite player? Dennis Burkamp. At one point as a child, I wanted to be renamed Dennis. When I went to my first match, I could pick a t-shirt and I choose the one with Burkamp on. I went to his statue unveiling because I didn't want to miss my chance to see my childhood hero. Luckily, he also signed a photo for me. Do you have an Arsenal cult hero? Has to be Kieran Tierney. Who doesn't love him? He's so down to earth, but on top of that, he's a world-class footballer and he puts in 100% every match. The short sleeves in cold weather just tops it off. Best goal you've ever seen live? Aaron Ramsey's winning goal in the 2014 FA Cup final. It was lovely build-up with a nice back heel from Giroud. Have you ever met any Arsenal players? I met Martin Keown at a marketing event. He's doing a talk on how data is used in football and of course I had to get a photo and an autograph. If you could be present at any Arsenal match in history, what would you choose? Winning the league at White Hart Lane in 2004. I would have loved the chance to celebrate in their ground along with the team. If you could play in any Arsenal team in history, who would it be? The Invincibles. And I swap with Lorraine. Sorry, Lorraine. Right back or centre right back is my preference position. I couldn't take out Campbell. I can't say we'd go unbeaten if I did play, though. Teams. Numbers. Premier League appearances, stroke goals, 2020, stroke 21. Arsenal. Manager, Mikel Arteta. Red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bound Leno. Goalkeeper, 30. 2. Hector Bellerin. 22, stroke 1. 3. Kieran Tierney. 23, stroke 1. 6. Gabriel. 16 plus 1 stroke 2. 7. Bukeo Saka. 25 plus 1 stroke 5. 8. Danny Ceballos. 13 plus 8. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 21 plus 6 stroke 13. 11. Martin Odegaard. 6 plus 3 stroke 1. 12. Willian. 14 plus 8. 13. Alex Runasson, goalkeeper, 0 plus 1. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, 22 plus 3 stroke 9. 16. Rob Holding, 22 plus 2. 17. Cedric Suarez, 8 plus 2. 18. Thomas Partey, 14 plus 3. 19. Nicolas Pepe, 12 plus 11 stroke 5. 21. Callum Chambers, 4. 22. Pablo Mari, 8. 23. David Luiz, 16 plus 3 stroke 1. 24. Reese Nelson, 0 plus 2. 25. Mohamed El Neni, 12 plus 6. 
30, Eddie Nicotia, 3 plus 12 stroke 1. 32, Emile Smith Rao, 12 plus 2. 33, Matt Ryan, goalkeeper, 1. 34, Granite Zaka, 25 plus 1 stroke 1. 35, Gabriel Martinelli, 4 plus 4. 38, Falarin Balogan, 41, Ben Cottrell, 66, Miguel Aziz, Fulham, manager Scott Parker, yellow shirts, shorts and socks. 1, Alphonse Ariola, goalkeeper, 31. 2, Kenny Tete, 15 plus 3. 3, Michael Hector, 3 plus 1. 4, Dennis Audi, 3. 5, Joachim Anderson, 26 stroke 1. 6, Kevin MacDonald. 9, Alexander Mitrovic, 12 plus 13 stroke 3. 10, Tom Kearney, 9 plus 1 stroke 1. 12, Marek Rodak, goalkeeper, 1. 13, Tim Ream, 5. 14, Bobby Decadova Reed, 22 plus 5 stroke 5. 15, Ruben Loftus Cheek, 21 plus 5 stroke 1. 16, Tosin Adaraba Yoyo, 27. 17, Ivan Cavaliero, 21 plus 9 stroke 3. 18, Mario Lemina, 15 plus 9 stroke 1. 19, Adimula Lukman, 26 plus 2 stroke 4. 21, Harrison Reed, 24 plus 4. 23, Joe Bryan, 5 plus 7. 25. Joss Onoma, 2 plus 5. 27. Joss Marger, 7 plus 3 stroke 2. 29. Andre Frank Zambo Aguisa, 23 plus 7. 30. Terence Congolo, 1. 31. Fabricio Agosto Ramirez, goalkeeper. 33. Anthony Robinson, 21 plus 4. 34. Ola Aina, 28 stroke 2. Match officials. Referee, Craig Pawson. Assistant referees, Scott Ledger, Richard West. Fourth official, Simon Hooper. VAR, Stuart Atwell. Assistant VAR, Konstantin Hatsidakis. Today's other fixtures. Manchester United versus Burnley, 4pm. Arsenal Women vs Gillingham Women, 2pm. Arsenal are home. New 2020-21 home kit. On sale in store and online. Take your seat. Sky Sports. Feel it all. It's time to step up your cyber protection. Get hashtag cyberfit with Acronis 
Learn more. Acronis, official partner of Arsenal. Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store, get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 